starting to get ever so slightly worried I'm not going to be able to finish this because um, we're on page 99 and your birthday is about um, um, 40 days away it's currently the 29th of August at 1.06 in the morning I'm going to start reading like when I get home from school and stuff when school begins again um, also my mum has asked me what I'm getting you for your birthday and I don't really feel too comfortable, I don't know why, with telling her that I'm just going to be reading you a book. Mainly because I still, sorry, I'm just getting this thing out. Mainly because I still think it sounds really, I can't think of the word. Self-centred? Like, really self-absorbed? I don't know. Um, but. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm going to tell her. I might tell her what I'm going to get you for Christmas. Have I told you this already in one of these? I feel I have. Oh. Losing my mind. It's been quite a while since I read, to be honest. Like, uh, possibly two or three weeks. And I do need to start reading more. Anyway. We're on eight years left, and we're on Roxy. So I'm going to begin begin now. Roxy. There's a girl on the beach at high tide, lighting up the sea with her hands. The girls from the clifftop watch her, the, the girls from the convent watch her from the clifftop. She's waded into the ocean, up to her waist, higher. She's not even wearing a bathing suit, just jeans and a black cardigan, and she's setting the sea on fire. It's coming onto dusk so they can see it clearly. Threads of kelp are spread in a fine, disorderly mesh across the surface of the water, and when she sends her power into the water, the particulate and debris glow dimly and the seaweed brighter yet. The light extends in a wild circle around her, lit from beneath like the great eye of the ocean gazing at the sky. There's a sound like popping candy as the branching limbs of the the sargasso plants smolder and the blood swell and burst. There's a marine scent, salt and green and pungent. She must be half a mile away, but they can smell it from the cliff top. They think at any moment she must have used out her power, but it even goes on still. The flickering luminescence in the bay, the scent as the crabs and small fish rise to the surface of the water. The women say to one another, God will send her salvation. She's inscribed a circle on the face of the water, says Sister Ma Maria Ignacia. She is at the boundary of light and darkness. She's a sign from the mother. They send word to Mother Eve. Someone has come. They'd, give, they'd given Roxy a choice of places to go. Bernie's got family in Israel. She could go to them. Think about it, Roxy. Sandy beaches, fresh air. You could go to school with Yuval's kids. He's got two girls about your age, and you've got to believe the Israelis aren't looking up girls for what you can do. They've got them in the army. They're already training them up, Rox. I bet they know stuff you haven't even thought of. She looks up on the internet, though. They don't even speak English in Israel, or write... or write with English letters. Bernie tries to explain that most people in Israel do speak English, really, but Roxy still says, nah, I don't think so. Then her mum had family near the Black Sea. Bernie points it points it out on the map. That's your grandma comes from there. She didn't even meet you didn't even meet your grandma, did you? Your mum's mum. There are still cousins there too. Still family connections. We do good business with those people too. You could get in the business. You said you wanted to. But Roxy had already decided where she wanted to go. I'm not thick, she said. I know you've got to get rid of me out the country because they're looking for who killed Primrose. It's not a holiday. Bernie and the boys stopped talking and just looked at her. You can't say that, Rox, said Ricky. Wherever you go, you could you just say you're on holiday, all right? I want to go to America, she said. I want to go to South Carolina. Look, there's that woman there, Mother Eve. She does them talks on the internet, you know? Ricky said, Oh yeah, Sal knows some people down that way. We can fix you up somewhere to stay. 
Rocks. We can fix you up somewhere to stay, Rocks. Someone to look after you. I don't need anyone to look after me. Ricky looked at Bernie. Bernie shrugged. After all she's been through, said Bernie, and that settled it. Ali sits on the rocks and doubles her fingers in the water. Every time the woman in the water discharges her power, she can feel it. Even at this distance, like a sharp smack. She says in her heart, what do you think? Oh, sorry. <sighs> what do you think? I've never seen anyone with this much strength in her. The voice said, didn't I tell you I was sending you a soldier? Ali says in her heart, does she know her destiny? The voice says, who does, sweet pea? It's dark now and the lights from the freeway are barely visible here. Ali dips her hand in the ocean and sends out as much charge as she can. She barely sends a flicker across the water, but it's enough. The woman in the waves walks towards her. It's too dark to see her face clearly. Ali calls out, You must be cold. I have a blanket here if you want it. The woman in the water says, Bloody hell, what are you, search and rescue? Don't suppose you've got a picnic there too, have you? She's British. This is unexpected. Still, the Almighty works in mysterious ways. Roxy, says the woman in the water. I'm Roxy. I'm, says Ali and pauses. For the first time in a long while, she has the urge to tell this woman her real name. Ridiculous. I'm Eve, she says. Oh my word, says Roxy. Oh my lord, it's you. I've blimmin' come to find you, isn't it? Bloody hell. Just got in this morning. Night flight. It's a killer. I'm telling you. Had a nap. Thought I'd go looking for you tomorrow and here you bloody are. It's a miracle. See, says the voice. What did I tell you? Roxy hauls herself onto the flat stone next to Ali. She is suddenly and instantly impressive. She's muscular in her shoulders and arms, but it's more than that. Reaching out with that sense that she had honed and practised, Ali tries to gauge how much power Roxy has in her scheme. She feels that she's falling off the edge of the world. It goes on and on, as limitless as the ocean. Oh, she says, a soldier will come. What's that now? Ali shakes her head. Oh, nothing. So something I heard once. Roxy gives her an appraising look. So you're a bit spooky then? That's what I thought when I saw your videos. Bit spooky, thought. You'd do well on one of those TV shows. Most Haunted? You ever seen that? Actually, you don't have anything to eat, do you? I'm starving. Ali pats down her pockets and finds a candy bar in her jacket. Roxy tears into it, taking huge bites. Oh, that's better, she says. You know that thing when you've used up a lot of power and it just makes you starving hungry? She pauses and looks at Ali. No? Why were you doing that? The light in the water. Roxy shrugs. Just an idea I had. Never been in the sea before, just wanted to see what I could do. She squirts out at the ocean. I think I killed a bloody load of fish. You could probably have dinner out, out of them all this week if you've got... She juggles her hands. I don't know, a boat or a net or something. I suppose some of them might be poison. Can you get poison fish? Or is that just like jaws on that? Ali laughs. In spite of herself, it's been a while since someone last made her laugh. Since she last laughed without deciding beforehand that laughing was a smart thing to do. She just had an idea, says the voice. It just popped into her head. She came looking for you. I told you a soldier would come. Yeah, says Ali. Just shut up for a minute, okay? What made you want to look for me? Says Ali. Roxy shifts her shoulders as if she's darting and weaving and escaping imaginary blows. I just had to get out, for England, out of England for a bit. I saw you on YouTube. She takes a breath, lets it all out, smiles at herself and says, Look, I don't know all those things you talk about where you say that God's made this happen for a reason and women are supposed to take over from men. I don't believe any of that God stuff, all right? All right. But I think, like, do you know what they're teaching girls in school in England? Breathing exercises? No kidding. Bleeding breathing bleeding keep it under control don't use it don't do anything keep yourself nice and keep your arms crossed you know what i mean and like i had sex with a bloke a few weeks back and he's practically begging me to do it to him just a little bit he's even seen it on the internet like no one's gonna keep their arms crossed forever 
my dad's all right and my brothers are all right they're not bad but i just wanted to talk to you because just wanted to talk to you because you're like you're thinking about what it means for the future you know it's exciting it all comes out of her in a big rush and what do you think it means says ali oh everything's gonna change says roxy picking at the seaweed with one hand while she talks stands to reason doesn't it and we've all got to find some new way to work together on it you know blokes have got a thing they can do they're strong women have got a thing they can do now too and they're still guns they don't stop working lots of blokes with guns i'm no match for them i feel like it's exciting you know i was saying this to my dad the stuff we could do together ali laughs do you think they want to work with us well some of them yeah and some of them nah right but the sensible ones will i was talking about it with my dad do you ever get that feeling when you're in a room and you can tell which girls around you've got like loads of power and which have got none you know like like spider sense this is the first time ali has ever heard anyone actually talk about this sense she has acutely yes she says i think i know what you mean bloody hell no one knows what i mean oh not that i've talked about it with loads of people anyway anyway that useful to be able to tell the blokes right useful to work together ali flattens her lips i i see it a bit differently you know yeah mate i know you do i've seen your stuff i think there's going to be a great battle between light and darkness and your destiny is to fight on our side i think you'll be the mightiest in the mightiest roxy laughs and chucks a pebble into the sea i always fancy having a destiny she says look can we go somewhere yours or somewhere it's bloody freezing out here they let her come to terry's funeral it was a bit like christmas there was aunties and uncles and booze and bridge rolls and hard-boiled eggs there was people putting an arm around her telling her she's a good girl Ricky gave her some stuff before they set off, and he took some stuff himself and went, it's just to take the edge off. So it felt like snow was falling, like it was cold and high up, just like Christmas. At the grounds, Barbara, Terry's mum, went to throw a trowel of dirt onto the coffin. When the earth hit the wood, she made a long, wailing cry. There was a car parked and blokes with long lens cameras taking pictures, Ricky and some of his mates scared them off. When they come back, Bernie said, Paps? And Ricky said, Could be police, working with. Roxy's in a bit of trouble over this, probably. They were all right to be at her at the reception, but at the grounds, none of the mourners knew where to put their faces when she walked past. At the convent, supper is already being served when Ali and Roxy arrive. There's a place saved for them at the head of the table, and there's chatter and the smell of good warm food. It's a stew. Okay, cool. Just take I'm still recording. It's a stew with clams and mussels and potatoes and corn. There's crusty bread and apples. Roxy has a feeling she can't quite name, can't really place. Makes her a little bit soft inside, a bit teary. One of the girls finds her a change of clothes, a warm little jumper. <sighs> Sorry. And a pair of sweatpants, all warm and cosy from being washed so often. And that's just how she feels too. The girls all want to chat to her. They've never heard an accent like hers and they make her say, oops, sorry, water and a banana. There's so much talking. Roxy always thought she was a bit of a blathermouth, but this is something else. After supper, Mother Eve gives a lesson in the scripture. They're finding scripture that works for them, rewriting the books, rewriting the bits that don't. Mother Eve speaks on the story of the book of Ruth. She reads out the passage where Ruth tells her mother-in-law, her, tells her mother-in-law, her friend, don't tell me to leave you. Whither thy goest, I shall go. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. Mother Eve is easy amongst these women, in a way Roxy finds difficult. She's just not used to the company of girls. It's been boys in Bernie's family, and boys in Bernie's gang, and her mum was always more of a man's woman than the girls at school, and the girls at school never treated Roxy nice. Mother Eve's not awkward like Roxy here. 
She holds the hands of the two girls sitting next to her and speaks softly and with humour. She says, The story about Ruth, that's the most beautiful story of friendship in the whole Bible. No one was ever more faithful than Ruth. No one ever expressed the bonds of friendship better. There are tears in her eyes as she speaks, and the girls around the table are already moved. It's not for us to worry about the men, she says. Let them please themselves as they always have. If they want to war with each other and to wander, let them go. We have each other. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people, my sisters. And they say, Amen. Upstairs, they've made a bed for Roxy. It's just a little room, a single bed with a hand-stitched quilt across it, a table and chair, a view of the ocean. She wants to weep when they open the door, but she doesn't show it. She remembers quite suddenly as she sits on the bed and feels the coverlet underneath her hand, a night when her dad brought her back to his house, the house he lived in with Barbara and with Roxy's brothers. It was late at night and her mum was ill and with vomiting and she'd called Bernie to pick up Roxy, and he'd come in. She was in her pyjamas, and she can't have been more than five or six. She remembers Barbara saying, Oh, she can't stay here, and Bernie going, For fuck's sake, just put her in the guest room. And Barbara crossing her arms across her bosom and going, I told you, she's not staying here. Send her to your brothers if you have to. It was raining that night, and her dad carried her back out to the car, the drops falling past the hood of her dressing gown to fall on her chest. There's someone ro- expecting Roxy that evening, sort of. Someone who'll catch it in the neck if they've lost her anyway. But she's 16, and one text will sort that out. Mother Eve closes the door, so it's just the two of them in the little room. She sits on the chair and says, You can stay as long as you'd like. <laughs> Why? I've got a good feeling about you. Roxy laughs. Would you have a good feeling about me if I was a boy? But you're not a boy. Do you have a good feeling about all women? And Mother Eve shakes her head. Not this good. Do you want to stay? Yeah, says Roxy. For a bit anyway. See what you're up to. I like your... She searches for the word. I like how it feels here. Mother Eve says, You're strong, aren't you? As strong as anyone. Stronger than anyone, mate. That why you like me. We can use someone strong. Yeah, you got big plans? Mother Eve leans forwards and puts her hands on her knees. She yawns and says, I want to save the women. She says, what, all of them? Roxy laughs. Yes, says Mother Eve, if I can. I want to reach them and tell them that there are new ways to live now that we can band together, that we can let men go their own way, that we don't need to stick to the old order, and we can make a few paths. Oh yeah, you do need a few blokes to make make babies, you know. Mother Mother Eve smiles. All things are possible, with God's help. Ali's phone beeps. She looks at it, makes a face, and turns it over so she can't see the screen. What's up? says Roxy. Oh, just people emailing the convent. Trying to get you out of here. Nice place. Can see why they'd want it back. Trying to give us money. <laughs> Roxy laughs. What's the problem? Got too much? Ali looks at Roxy thoughtfully for a moment. Only Sister Maria Ignatia has a bank account and I... She runs her tongue over her front tips and her lips click. You don't trust anyone, do you? Ali smiles. Do you? Price doing business, mate. Got to trust someone or you'll get nothing done. You need bank accounts? How many do you want? Want some money out Want some out the country? Cayman Islands is good, I think. Don't know why. Wait, what do you mean? But before Ali can stop her, Roxy's taken out her phone, snapped a picture of Ali and is sending a text. Roxy grins. Trust me. Got to find a way to pay my rent, don't I? A man arrives at seven at the convent before seven o'clock the next morning. He drives up to the front gate, just waits there. Roxy knocks on Ali's door, drags her down the driveway in her dressing gown. What? What is it? Says Ali, but she's smiling. Come and see. 
All right, Einar? Says Roxy to the man. He's stocky, mid-forties, dark hair, wearing a pair of sunglasses on his forehead. Einar grins and nods slowly. You okay here, Roxanne? Bonnie Monk said to look for you. Are you being looked after? I'm Grand Einar. Super duper. Just going to stay with my mates here for a few weeks, I reckon. You got what I need? Einar laughs at her. I met you once in London, Roxanne. You were six years old and me in the shins when I wouldn't buy you milkshake. Well, we waited for your dad. Roxy laughs. Roxy laughs too. Roxy laughs too easily. This is simpler for her than the dinner. Ali can see it. Should have bought me a milkshake then, shouldn't ya? Come on, hand it over. There's a bag with, clearly, some of Roxy's clothes and other things in. There's a laptop, brand new, top of the range. And there's a little zip-up case. Roxy balances it on the edge of the car and... at the edge of the car boot and unzips it. Careful, says Ina. Rush job. Ink will smudge if you rub it. Got that, Evie? Says Roxy. No rubbing it. No rubbing them till they're dry. Roxy hands her a few items from the case. Their passports, US ones, driver's license, social security numbers, all as legitimate looking as if they'd been made up by the government themselves, and all the licenses and all the passport have her photo in. Changed a bit each time, different hair, a couple of them with glasses, and different names to match the names on the social security cards and the licenses, but her every time. We did your seven, says Roxy. Half a dozen and one for luck. Seventh, seventh one's UK if you fancy it. Did you manage to get the bank accounts, Einar? All set up, says Einar, fishing another, smaller, zip-out wallet out of his pocket. But no deposit over £100,000 in one day without talking to us first. Dollars or pans, says Roxy. Einar winces slightly. Dollars, he says, then hurriedly. But only for the first, week, first six weeks. Then they take the checks off the accounts. Fine, says Roxy. Won't kick you in the shins this time. Roxy and Daryl kicked around in the garden for a little bit, towing at stones and picking bark off the tree. Neither of them ever even liked Terry that much, but it's weird now he's gone. Daryl went, what did it feel like? And Roxy was like, I wasn't down there when they got Terry. And Daryl went, nah, I mean what you did to Primrose. What did it feel like? As she felt it again, the glitter under her palm, the way his face grew warm and then cold, she sniffled, looked at her own hand, as if it could tell her the answer. It felt good, she said. He killed my mum. Daryl said, I wish I could do it. Roxanne Monk and Mother Eve talk a lot in the next few days. They find the things they have in common and hold them out at arm's length to admire the details. The missing mother, the place they're used to holding the place they're used to holding half in, half out families. I like how you all said sister here. I've never had a sister. I didn't either, says Ali. Always wanted one, says Roxy. And then they leave that there for a bit. Some of the girls in the convent went to spa with Roxy, practice their skills, she's up for it. They used the big lawn at the back of the building, leading up, leading down to the ocean. She takes them two or three at once, sidesteps them, hits them, in, hits them hard, confuses them, till they jolt each other. They come in for supper, bruised and laughing, sometimes with a tiny spiderweb scar on the wrist or ankle. They wear it proudly. There are girls as young as 11 or 12 here. They follow Roxy about like she's a pop star. She tells them to get off and go find something else to do, but she likes it really. She teaches them a special fighting trick she's worked out. Splosh a bottle of water in someone's face, stick your finger in the water as it spurts out of the bottle, electrify the whole thing. They practice this each other on the law, giggling and hurling water about. Roxy sits with Ali on the porch late one afternoon, when the sun's setting, red gold behind them. They're watching the kids larking about on the lawn. Ali says, Reminds me of me when I was ten. Oh yeah, big family? There's a longish pause. Roxy wonders if she's said something she shouldn't have, but fuck it, she can wait. Ali says, Children's home.
Right, says Roxy. I know kids who come from that. It's rough. Hard to get on your feet, you know. You're doing all right now, but though. Yeah, I look after myself. I learned how to take care. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. The voice in Ali's head has been quiet these last few days. Quieter than she remembers it being in years. Something about these summer days, knowing that Roxy's here and she could kill anyone stone dead. Something about that has made it all go quiet. Ali says, It's passed around a lot when I was a child. Never knew, never knew my dad's and my mum's just a scrap of memory. Just a hat, is what Ali remembers. A pale pink Sunday church hat at a daring angle and a face bit underneath, grinning at her, sticking her tongue out. It seems like a happy memory, from some time between long bouts of sadness or illness or both. And she does never remember going to church, but there's that hat in her memory. Sorry, just one sec. This is a bloody long chapter. Right, okay. Well, this is going to be a long long episode, long recording. Sorry. Um, Ali says, I think that I've had 12 homes before this one. Maybe 13. She passes a hand across her face and digs her fingertips into her forehead. They put me in a place once with a lady who collected china dolls. Hundreds, everywhere, staring at me from the walls in the room that I slept in. She dressed me up nice, I remember that. She dressed me up nice. I remember that. But she went to jail for stealing. That's how she paid for all those dolls. So I was sent on. One of the girls on the lawn pulls water on another, setting it sparkling with a faint jolt. The other girl giggles. It tickles. People make what they need for themselves, says Roxy. My dad says that. If there's something you need, something you really have to have, not just want to, but have to have, you'll find a way to get it. She laughs. He was talking about junkies, wasn't he? But it's more than that. Roxy looks at the girls on the lawn, at this house, which is a home, more than a house. Ali says, if you make it, you've got to protect it. Yeah, well, I'm here now. You have more power than anyone we've ever seen, you know. Roxy looks at her hands like she's a bit impressed and a bit afraid. Yeah, I don't know, she says. There's probably other people like me. Ali has a sudden intuition then, like a fairground machine with gears working and chains clanking. Someone had taken her to one when she was a little girl. Put in two quarters, pull the lever, clunk, grind, thunk. There's a fortune printed on a small rectangle of thick, pink-edged cardboard. Ali's intuition is just like that. Sudden and complete as if there were no machinery working behind her. Eyes that even she has no access to. Clank, thunk. The voice says, here, this is something you used to know now. Use it. Ali speaks softly. Did you kill someone? Roxy sticks her hands in her pockets and frowns at her. Who told you? And because she does not say, who told you that? Ali knows that she is right. The voice says, say nothing. Ali says, sometimes I just know things. Like there's a voice in my head. Ali says, bloody hell, you are spooky. Who's going to win the Grand National then? Ali says, I killed someone too. A long way away now. I was a different person. Probably deserved it if you did it. Oh, he did. They sit with that. Roxy says, Companionably, oh, Roxy says companionably, and if it has nothing to do with anything. There was a bloke that stuck his hand down my pants when I was seven. Piano teacher. My mum thought it'd be nice if I learnt piano. There I was, on the stool, doing every good boy deserves fun. And suddenly, hands in my knickers. Don't say anything, he goes. Just carry on playing. So I told my dad the next night, when he came to take me out to the park and bloody hell he went mental screaming at my mum how could she she didn't know did she she wouldn't let him my dad took some of the boys round to the piano teacher's house ali says what happened roxy laughs 
<laughs> they beat the shit out of him. He ended the night with one less nut than he started, for one thing. Really? Yeah, of course. My dad said if he had let one more pupil around that house, and he meant ever, he'd come back for the other veg, and we meet too. <laughs> Not to think about leaving town and starting up somewhere, because Bernie Monk is bloody everywhere. Roxy chuckles to herself. Yeah, I saw him in the street once, and he ran away. Saw me, right, and actually ran. Bloody right, mate. Ellie says, that's good. That sounds good. She makes a little sigh. I know you don't trust him. It's all right. You don't have to trust him, babe. She reaches out her hand and puts her hand... She reaches over and puts her hand on top of Ali's. And they sit there like that for a long time. After a while, Ali says, One of the girls has a dad in the police force. He telephoned her two days ago to tell her that she can't be in this building on Friday. Dads, they're like that. They're like, they like keeping their daughters safe. They can't keep secrets. Will you help us? Says Ali. What do you think is coming? Says Roxy. SWAT team? Not so much. We're only a few girls in, the, in a convent, practising our religion like law-abiding citizens. <laughs> I can't kill anyone else, says Roxy. I don't think we'll have to, says Ali, because I've got an idea. They mopped up the rest of Primrose's gang after he died. Wasn't any bother. They all fell apart after he was gone. Two weeks after Terry's funeral, Bernie called Roxy on her mobile at 5am, told her to come to a lock-up in Dagnum. There, he fished the bunch of keys out of his pocket, opened it up and showed her two bodies laid out, killed, cold and clean, and about to go into the acid. And that'd be the end of it. She looked them in the face. That Ben? said Bernie. Yeah, she said. She snaked her arm around the, her dad's waist. Thanks. Anything for my girl, he said. Big bloke, little bloke, the two who killed her mum. One of them with her mark still on his arm, livid and branching. All done then, sweetheart, he said. All done, dad. He kissed her on top of the head. They went for a walk that morning around East Brooklyn Cemetery. Slowly walking and chatting while a couple of cleaners did the necessary in the garage. You know, the day you were born was the day we got Jack Conaghan, said Bernie. Roxy does know this, still. She likes to hear the story again. He'd been on us for years. Killed Mickey's dad. You never knew him. Him and his the Irish boys. We got him in the end, though. Fishing in the canal. We waited all night for him. And when he got there early, we did him, chucked him in. That was that. And when we was done and home and dry, I checked my phone. Fifteen messages from you, Mum. Fifteen. Got into labour overnight, hadn't she? Roxy felt her fingertips around the, ed around the edges of this story. It always seemed slippery, something fighting its way out of her grasp. She was born in the darkness, and with people waiting for some... And with people waiting for someone, her dad waiting for Jack Conaghan, her mum waiting for her dad, and Jack Conaghan, though he never knew it. Waiting for... Oh, sorry, yeah, I understand. Her, her dad waiting for Jack Conaghan, her mum waiting for her dad, and Jack Conaghan, though he never knew it, waiting for his death. It's a story about the stuff that happens just exactly when you weren't expecting it. Just on that night when you thought nothing was going to happen, everything happened. I picked you up, a girl, after three boys, never thought I'd have a girl. You looked me dead in the eye and whittled all down my trousers, and that's how I knew you'd be good luck. She is good luck, barring a few things, she's always had good luck. How many miracles does it take? Not too many. One, two, three is plenty. Four is a great multitude, more than enough. There are twelve armed police officers advancing across the gardens at the back of the convent. It's been raining. The ground is waterlogged and more than waterlogged. There are open taps running at both sides of the garden. The girls have run a pump to bring seawater up to the top of the steps, and it's a waterfall now. Water gushing down the stone steps. 
The officers aren't wearing mother boot, rubber boots. They didn't know it would be all muddy like this. All they know is that a lady from the convent had come to tell them that girls were hauled up in hair and had been threatening and violent. So there are twelve trained men in body armour coming for them. It should be enough to finish this. The men shout, Police! Leave the building now with your hands in the air! Roxy, Ali looks at Roxy. Roxy grins at her. They're waiting behind the curtains in the dining room. The one that looks out over the back garden, waiting until the police are all on the stone steps leading to the terrace outside the black do- back doors. Waiting and waiting, and there they all are. Roxy pulls the corks out from the half dozen barrels of seawater they've stored behind them. The carpet is sodden now and the water's gushing out from under the door towards the steps. Towards the steps. They're all in one mass of water. Roxy and Ali and the police. Ali puts her hand into the water around her ankles and concentrates. Outside on the terrace and on the stairs, the water is touching the skin of all the police officers, one way or another. It needs more control than Ellie's Ali's ever managed before. Their fingers are on their triggers. They want to squeeze, but one by one she sends her message through the water, as fast as thought, and one by one the officers jerk like puppets. Angle their the angles of their elbows fly out. Their hands unclench and go numb. One by one, they drop their guns. Fucking hell, says Roxy. Now, says Ali, and climbs up onto the chair. Oh, sorry. Now, says Ali, and climbs up onto the chair. Roxy, the woman with more power than she knows what to do with, sends a bolt through the water, and each of the police starts and and bucks and topples to the ground. Neat as you like. It had to be only one woman doing it. A dozen convent girls couldn't have acted together so quickly without hurting each other. A soldier had to come. Roxy smiles. Upstairs, Gordine's been filming it on her cell phone. It'll be online in an hour. You don't need too many miracles before people start believing you, and then sending you money and offers of legal help to get yourself properly up. Everyone's looking for some kind of answer, today more than ever. Mother Eve records a message to go out over the footage. She says... I have not come to tell you to give up a single strand of your belief. I am not here to convert you. Christian, Jew, Muslim, Sikh, Hindu or Buddhist. If you are not of any faith, none at all. God does not want you to change your practice. She pauses. She knows that this is not what they are expecting to hear. God loves all of us, she says. And she wants us to know that she has changed her garment merely. She is beyond female and male. She is beyond human understanding. But she calls your attention to that which you have forgotten. Jews look to Miriam, not Moses, for what you can learn from her. Muslims look to Fatima, not Muhammad. Buddhists remember Tara, the mother of liberation. Christians pray to Mary for your salvation. You have been taught that you are unclean, that you are not holy, that your body is impure and could never harbour the divine. You have been taught to despise everything you are and to long only to be a man, but you have been taught lies. God lies within you. God has returned to earth to teach you in the form of this new power. Do not come to me looking for answers, for you must find the answers within yourself. What can be more seductive than to be asked to stay away? What draws people nearer than being told they are unwelcome? Already that evening there are emails. Where can I where can I join with your followers? What can I do here at home? How do I set up a prayer circle for this new thing? Teach us how to pray. And there are the appeals for help. My daughter is sick, pray for her. My mother's new husband has handcuffed her to the bed. Please send someone to rescue her. Ali and Roxy read the emails together. Ali says, we have to try to help. Roxy says, you can't help them all, babe. Ali says, I can. With God's help, I can. Ali says, Roxy says, maybe you don't need to go and get them all to help them all. 
the police force all across the states gets worse after the video of what Ali and Roxy did goes up online. They felt humiliated, of course they did. They had something to prove. There are states and countries where the police are already actively recruiting women, but that, doesn't ha that hasn't happened here yet. The force is still mostly male, and they're angry and they're afraid, and then things happen. 23 days after the police tried to take the convent, a girl arrives at the door with a message for Mother Eve. Only Mother Eve, please. They have to help her. She's weak with crying and shaking and frightened. Roxy makes her a hot, sweet tea, and Ali finds her some cookies. And the girl, her name is Mez, tells them what's happened. It was seven armed police officers patrolling their neighbourhood. Mez and her mum were walking home from the grocery store, just talking. Mez is 12 and has had the power for a few months. Her mum's had it for longer. Her little cousin woke, woke it up in her. They were just talking, says Mez, just holding their grocery bags and chatting and laughing. And then suddenly there were six or seven cops saying, What's in the bag? Where are you going? We've had reports of women causing trouble around here. What do you have in the damn bags? Mez's mother didn't take it too seriously. She just laughed and said, What are we going to have in here? Groceries from the grocery store. And one cop said she was acting pretty cool for a woman in a dangerous area. What had she been doing? And Mez's mum just said, Leave us alone. And they pushed her. And she hit two of them with little tickles of power, just a warning. And that was it for the cops. They pulled out their nightsticks and their guns and they started working. And Mez was screaming and her mother was screaming and there was blood all on the sidewalk and they mashed on. They mashed her on her head. They held her down, says Mez, and they messed her up. It was seven on one. Ali listens to it all very quietly. And when Mez has finished talking, she says, is she still alive? Mez nods. Do you know where they've taken her? Which hospital? Mez says, oh, they, did, they didn't take her to a hospital. They've taken her to the police station. Ali says to Roxy, we're going down there. Roxy says, then we have to take everyone. There are 60 women who walk down the street together towards the police station where they're holding Mez's mum. They walk quietly but quickly and they're filming everything. That's the word they've passed around the women in the convent. Document everything. Stream it if you can. Put it online. By the time they arrive, the police know they're coming. There are men standing outside holding rifles. Ali walks up to them. She holds her hands up, palms towards them. She says, we've come here peacefully. We want to see Rachel Latif. We want to know that she's receiving medical attention. We want her sent to a hospital. The police, officers, the police officer standing at the door says, Mrs Latif is being legally detained. By what power do you ask for her release? Ali looks to the left and to the right, along the flanks of women she's brought with her. There are more women arriving every minute. There are maybe 250 here now. The news of what's happened has passed door to door. There have been text messages, Women have seen it online and left their houses and come. The only power that matters, she says. The common laws of humanity and God. There is a badly injured woman in yourselves. She needs to see a doctor. Roxy can feel the <coughs> Roxy can feel the power crackling in the air around her. The women here are all hyped and angry and excited. She wonders if the men can feel it too. The policemen with their rifles are nervous. Something could go bad here very easily. The senior police officer shakes his head and says, We can't let you in, and your presence here is a threat to my officers. Ali says, We're here peacefully, officer. We are peaceful. We want to see Rachel Latif, and we want a doctor to treat her. A great muttering rises up in the crowd and then falls silent, waiting. The officer says, if I let you see her, will you tell all these women to go home? Ali says, let me see her first. Rachel Latif, when Roxy and Ali are brought into the holding cell, is barely conscious. Her hair is matted with blood and she is lying on the cot in the cell, hardly moving. 
her breath that is a slow and painful rattle. Roxy says, Jesus Christ. Ellie says, Officer, this woman must be taken to a hospital immediately. The other policemen arrive. The other policemen are watching the senior officer. More and more women are arriving outside the building every minute. The sound of them outside is like a crowd of murmuring birds, each one speaking to their to her neighbour, each ready to wheel at a secret signal. There are only 20 officers in this station. There'll be several hundred women outside within half an hour. Rachel Latif's skull is cracked open. You can see the white bone shattered and the bu bubbling from her brain. The voice said, They did it without provocation. You've been provoked. You could take this station. You could kill every man here if you wanted. Roxy takes Ali's hand and squeezes it. Roxy says, Officer, you don't want this to go any further. You don't want this to be the story they tell, tell about you. Let this woman go to a hospital. The police officer lets out a long, slow sigh. The crowd outside grow noisy when Ali reemerges, and even noisier when they appear when they hear the approaching sirens of the ambulance, nosing its way through the crowd. Two women hoist Mother Eve onto their shoulders. She holds up her hand. The muttering goes silent. Mother Eve speaks through Ali's mouth and says, I am taking Rachel Latif to the hospital. I will ensure she is cared for properly. The noise again, like grass stalks blowing, it rises up and dies away. Mother Eve splays her fingers out, like the hand, like the sign of the hand of Fatima. She says, you have done good work here, and now you can go home. The women nod. The girls from the convent turn and walk away as one. The other women begin to follow them. Half an hour later, Rachel is being examined in the hospital. The street outside the police station is entirely empty. In the end, there's no need for them to stay in the convent. It's nice, it overlooks the sea, and it's got a certain homely feel to it. But by the time Ra Roxy's been there for nine months, Ali's organisation could have bought a hundred buildings like it. And anyway, they need somewhere bigger. There are 600 women affiliated with the convent in this t little town alone, and satellites springing up across the country and around the world. The more the authorities say she's illegi illegitimate, the more the old church says she's been sent by the devil, the more women are drawn to Mother Eve. If Ali had any doubt before this that she had been sent by God with a message for her people, the things that have happened here have left her in no doubt. She is here to look after the women. God has appointed her to the role, and it is not for Ali to deny it. It's spring come round again when they're talking about new buildings. Roxy says, you'll save a room for me, won't you? Wherever you end up. Ali says, don't go. Why would you go? Why, why back to England? What's there for you? Roxy says, my dad reckons it's all blown over. No one cares what we do to each other, really. As long as we don't get any honest citizens involved, she grins. But really, Ali flattens her lip, really, why would you go home? This is your home. Stay here, please. Stay with us. Roxy squeezes Ali's hand. Mate, I miss my family. I miss my dad. I'm like Marmite. I miss all that stuff. I'm not going away forever. We'll see each other again. Ali breathes in through her nose. There is a muttering at the back of her mind and that has been quiet and far away for months now. She shakes her head and says, You can't trust them, though. Roxy laughs. What? Men? All men? Can't trust any of them? Ali says, Be careful. Find women you trust to work with you. Roxy says, Yeah, we talked about this, babe. You have to take it all, says Ali. You can. You've got it. Don't let Ricky take it. Don't let Darren take it. It's yours. Roxy says, you know, I think you're right, but I can't take it all sitting here, can I? She swallows. I've booked a ticket. I can leave a week on Saturday. There's stuff I wanted to talk to you about with you before that. 
plans can we talk about plans without you going on about how i should stay we can ali says in her heart i don't want her to go can we stop that happening the voice says to ali remember sweetheart the only way you are safe is if you own the place ali says can i own the world the voice says very quietly just as it used to speak many years ago oh honey oh baby girl you can't get there from here roxy says the thing is i've got an idea and ali says so do i and they look at each other and they smile and that is the end of a very very long chapter oh my voice i don't think i'm gonna have a voice tomorrow my love wow and also on this page there is a little drawing approximately 1500 years ago a device for training in the use of the electrostatic power the handle at the base is iron and is connected with the wooden frame to a metal peg marked a on the diagram we conjecture that a piece of paper or dry leaf could be affixed to the spike marked b on the diagram with the aim being for the operator to set it aflame this would require a degree of control presumably the skill being practiced the sign suggests that the device was meant for 13 to 15 year old girls and discovered in thailand next we have archival documents relating to the electronic power its origin its dispersal and the possibility of a cure how long is this chapter please don't be oh it's quite short and then we go to six years ago and tunde yay my fave oh and then we've got bloody alley <sighs> again it's not it's just it's just gonna be quite a difficult one to read by the looks of it oh but i don't think it's that it's not that long um and it won't be that hard at thinking about it because they've got names so i'll just read the name and then i'll read um the thing then it's margot see we're doing not badly now we're on page one two two i feel it's a lot longer now anyway i'm going to stop this before it gets anywhere closer to an hour oh i love you so much baby happy birthday okay <laughs>